everybody, and welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm joined again today by the host of Bass Edge Television, Mr. Aaron Martin. How are you doing, my friend? Steve, I am doing well, but I've got to say I'm a little anxious as we have the points leader in the BASS Angler of the Year race, Skeet Reese, mm. standing by to enlighten us on swim baits. And a little later, Brian Wright from FishingTackleForum.com will join us to talk about new outlet for small lure manufacturers to aid in getting their product out to the market. Well, man, Skeet has been tearing them up out there, and I'm anxious to hear what he has to say about that. So let's get right to it. We've got another great show right here on The Edge. Get away, boy. Good job. Yeah, I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge with bass fishing, buddy. Oh, dude, did you see yes, that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. That's full contact fishing right there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Well, it's good to be back with you again here on another spring day. Kind of a little bit soggy spring day around here, but but, uh, nonetheless, it's it's a great time of year. It's been a while since we visited. I trust you've been... uh, putting that new legend 211 to good use i have and it you know it's hard to believe we (laughs) went from talking about pre-spawn fishing last time with bren ayler to now we are wide open all out post-spawn and uh you know steve you, you know as well as i do you're kind of a little bit like this to where we really enjoy sight fishing but you know i must say i really do love targeting post spawners well, I do too, and I, you know, since I've moved from Texas to the Ozarks, you've got me a lot more. I don't know, I, hanging out with you, you got got me a lot more structure oriented. Of course, these deep lakes, but uh, uh, but boy, even back in in my younger days in that shallower water, I just man, I just love the post spawn. You know, it's 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 a load up time of year, and I and I used to find, and, and you can you can tell me if this is what you you believe about these Ozark lakes, but I know that we used to find that when those first fish first got out uh on those off on that offshore structure it was like the most concentrated they ever got it was a time where you could find fish and you could load up well absolutely and you know the thing that i appreciate about this particular i guess seasonal condition that we find ourselves is that anglers are really able to almost kind of retrace or reconnect the the dots to the traffic routes that the bass you know used during the spawn period so it starts taking out kind of a lot of that guesswork that we find ourselves scrambling and stressed out about you know as far as trying to to, to catch these bass well it, it, it's so true you know like i'm like i was saying you know they're they're, they're concentrated up and it seems like as the summer goes on uh, they start moving around a little bit you know and they start they start dispersing a little more and of course you know, in the spring, uh, they were just, you know, they're quite spread out up in the shallow spawning and stuff like that. But, uh, well, this is the time when your, uh, your electronics are just, just so daggum important. It absolutely is. And, you know, I, I, of course, part of my excitement has to do with the fact that I know what's coming after the post-spawn once we get into those summer patterns, you know, when we go out and actually get to start deep fishing. But, you know, right now I'm finding that uh, by by using, I guess, a slower presentation, because I think that th- even the post-spawn carries kind of a, a segmented approach to it. You know, they just 
got off the beds. You know, they're not feeling real well. They're going to go hang out, kind of just lounge around and recover. They're going to take that easy meal. So I'm going to start out with a slower presentation, you know, a little bit higher in the water column for those uh, suspending bass that are, are just holding out there. But then once they start feeling good, I mean, they are going to go out on an all-out feeding binge. And that's when, you know, I switch kind of from the swim baits and flukes and grubs and sinkos, that type of thing. You know, I'm going to turn it up a notch, go with the spinner baits and the crank baits, and then obviously we all know and uh, the, the love of topwater. I mean, there is nothing that is more exciting than throwing that topwater. Well, and I guess, you know, we're coming into May, and, and it really is, uh, you know, a great time of year in a lot of the parts of the country for top water. Uh, you know, that's that hadn't quite got here for the, for our northern friends, but uh, uh, but my goodness, so I know Aaron that you've been out. In fact, I know you've been out several times, and I want to appreciate you. I want to thank you for calling me on that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, what have you found? You were out yesterday, right? I was out. I was out. And I'm going to say, tell us what you found. I I found, I'm going to save a little bit as far as the bait talk to after Skeet's interview, because I want to see what he has to say about swim baits and then kind of compare and contrast. And we'll kind of apply a grade, I guess, if you will. But one of the things that I'm finding right now is, you know, the bass just, just finished spawning. And I think there's going to probably, and I'm talking specifically here to Table Rock now, um, you know, we've got the full moon uh, that's right upon us. And also, I think that, you know, by targeting those areas and kind of retracing back to those secondary points, that, that first piece of structure, in my case, it's going to be the trees and the docks that's adjacent to those secondary points. I'm finding that the fish are actually hanging out in those trees, regardless if it's cloudy or sunny. They're using those trees kind of as a, a, a security factor and ambush points to be able to attack that prey. And, you know, just by setting that boat out, my boat, you know, it's been setting out in about 30 feet of water, making long casts because I'm fishing ultra clear water. You know, that's where I'm finding that the bass are holding. So would you say that the fish are maybe in between, maybe halfway in between that spawn and the structure? Yes, yes, I, I think so. And, um, you know, one of the, the things that I think is important to remember that I see a lot of times on these clear uh, reservoirs, especially the highland reservoirs, is a lot of times people will place their boat over where the top over top of where the fish are actually sitting. And, uh, you know, that's hard to keep in mind because we as anglers grow up relating so much to being able to make that cast right to the edge of the water where it meets the shoreline. But in this case, you know, I'm staying almost a half a cast away from the shoreline, landing my bait, you know, to where we would ultimately think that most of the fish would be residing. And I take it you caught some fish yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a, a, a great day. But, yeah. you know, what about you, Steve? I know you're kind of a river rat. Have you been doing any floating or getting out, uh, you know, in the canoe? Man, not so much. You know, we've, we've had so, so much rain, and the streams have been way up. And, of course, here in the Ozarks, uh, you know, fast-moving streams, they get really dangerous. But uh, when it settles out... Uh, I'll be out there, and uh, yeah, it's a great time to fish because, boy, nobody has messed with these fish for months on end, you know, because we've had high water all the way back into the coma. So, uh, 
uh, I'll have me a whole bunch of fresh fish here to go, and uh, and I'll call you when I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and uh, you know, my deal. Just for the record, not that you would believe me, but it was kind of a last minute deal. But you know, you did bring up a good point there in your last comment: is the fact of of rivers and and how they can ri- quickly rise and change, uh, and that's very important because they can be very very dangerous in the spring. And I know one of those stories in your book was about when you got in trouble during a float. Uh, I think it was actually an overnight float, if I remember correctly. Well, it was actually a seven-day float. We were headed, uh, I I was by myself, and floating our gasconade here, and we got six inches of rain upstream. And uh, it was one of those times when, and this is, I mean, this is why you've got to be so, so on guard, but I didn't get the rain where I was at, but when that water finally caught up with me, it was literally like a wave. I mean, I was almost surfing on a wave as this flash flood came through. And before it was over, I was wading through uh, briars and, and woods, uh, waist deep, pushing my canoe through the woods a good half mile from the river. And uh, before I was able to get off that, that, that water and, and get in those trees, I had some... Uh, some uh, uh, life-threatening moments, and uh, you know we talk about that. Uh, we talk about that in the book, and I mean I think you know it's just it's just real easy to get caught up in the fun of everything we do, whether you're on the lake or in a river or out hunting. Uh, things can happen, and safety so important. And uh, you know you want to grow old like me. Part part of my growing old is a little bit of luck, but uh, you know grow old and keep fishing and hunting <laughs> absolutely you know and and you you could not have said it better and I, that's what i so appreciate kind of a lot of those stories and journeys that you've been on on really all over the world uh you know but speaking of the book uh, we have a deal right now on the website steve that uh if you buy it directly off of bassedge.com we've got that price at just 14.95 and quite honestly you know that's five dollars off the price in the bookstores and on amazon.com and you know with father's day right around the corner i can't think of of a, of a better gift to give somebody. Well, I appreciate people buying it. I need the money, <laughs> and uh, but uh, uh, yeah, we can sell a little cheaper directly. So uh, and, and that's a great deal. That's normally nineteen ninety five. But uh, while you're on the while you're on BassEdge dot com, you know, uh, take a look over there at the Electronics One Hundred and One DVD. You know, we were just talking about structure. We're moving into the summertime. And uh, and that that thing can come in awfully handy if you know it's just got a, a ton of great information about deep water structure fishing. Well, Steve, uh, you're exactly right, and I've got to tell you, I am chomping at the bits right now to hear this next interview. So let's take a short break here, and we will be right back with Skeet Reese. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand graph. Electronics 101. Harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. As 
promised, we have the current points leader in the BASS Angler of the Year race, who in his first three tournaments has logged a second, fifth, and first place. From Auburn, California, it's Skeet Reese. Welcome to the show, Skeet. Thanks. It's good to be here. I like hearing those numbers, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. And, you know, kind of, uh, I, I guess you've, you've got to be appreciating kind of the Fed uh, raising the bank deposit limits for the FDIC insurance, given all the sizable checks you've been depositing lately. Uh, the likes it, yeah, the bank loves it. So uh, I'm not complaining about it either. So anytime you can uh, be profitable doing what you love to do, then you can't you can't complain. Boy, you've got that right. And, you know, Skeet, what, what is going through your psyche at this point in the season, you know, given your tremendous start in 2010? I uh, just, uh, basically, just, I go into every tournament just doing the best I can do. Um, you know, I try to win every event I show up to, and Sometimes you get on good fish, and sometimes you don't. And when you're not, you know, those are the ones that you, you try and just grind out just for a top 20 or top 10 if you can. Great. Um, but I don't have any expectations anywhere I go. Uh, just, uh, you know, just outside of just doing the best I can each and every time. Well, in in the last installment of Bass Edge, you know, we spoke with Brent Ayler and kind of his success, who is also from California. And then on stop number two on the BASS trail, found another Western native, Byron Velvet, in the winter circle. And it seems as, you know, those the West side is kind of dominating and really representing here lately. <laughs> uh, I could, Yeah, I think the West Coast has done a pretty good job uh, in the last five years or so uh, representing uh from tour level wins and obviously the classic and everything else. So um, the thing is, we we grew up in such a diversified fishery out there, from uh, true clear water finesse lakes to full on power fishing. So I think that's what uh, makes you know some of the anglers there some of the most versatile in the country. Well, it's definitely got to be something because, uh, like you said, I mean, there has been a tremendous run, and congratulations, and really hats off because, you know, I think it's easy to say for us to sit here and, uh, you know, throw out those comparisons. But the bottom line is, and you know this all too well, I mean, the fields are full of anglers that that can catch fish on any given day. (laughs) That's for sure. There's a... Uh, I don't care what tour you're on there. I mean, there's, there's each group has, uh, you know, each organization has a whole list of uh, guys there that can break it off on you any day and just uh, take your, take all your money and uh, make you feel silly. And, um, you know, fortunately, I've been on the, you know, the, the top end of that, uh, you know, getting the, getting the checks and trying to keep everybody down a notch. But it, it's no easy task out here. I mean, everybody out here is, was, you know, one of the best in their region when they came out here and some of them are, you know, still are the best in the world. So, you know, to be able to beat local knowledge, you know, if they're a local on the tour or, you know, full-time legend, it's a, you know, it's a, there's nothing easy about this. I mean, it's, it's a grind every day out there. Well, and speaking of which your, your most recent blowout at Smith mountain, you know, was, was in part due to a couple things. One is, you know, I think it's very easily, to look at the results and say, you know what, that must have, it was just a runaway. It very, probably easy, you know, he was catching the fish. But the reality of the matter is, you know, you had to literally work your tail off to get what you did. And then also was really your decision and and the fact of picking up that swim bait. Help us understand kind of what led you to that decision. Well, I think it's a a little bit of past experience there. Um, 
you know, we were there the very first time, I threw a swim bait around a little bit, and, you know, I had fish following it. I don't know if I ever remember catching one on a swim bait. I take that back. I did catch one on a swim bait there. The very first time we were there, I finished fourth. Um, and last year, when we were there, um, I found out how those fish were setting up and realized that, yeah, swim bait's a little more conducive. I think I weighed three or four fish last year on swim bait. And so I knew going into this year that if the conditions were right, uh, I would set up well, and I knew the potential of uh, I knew the potential was there for twenty pound bags. Um, just because we've all seen them, there's there's too many four and five pounders in that lake, and uh, I knew that if I ever had the right conditions, and I and I you know now I figured out a little bit, I had the opportunity to go out there and, and, and bust some big bags, and fortunately I was able to do that. And like you said, though, I grinded it out. There was nothing easy about that. Um, I was catching five to eight fish a day, uh, pretty much most days, uh, and that's mixing up some bed fish with the swim bait fish. And uh, what uh, what they don't show is what I what it could have been. I mean, I, I literally I had I mean not that, not just bites or follows. I hooked. I had plenty of big ones hooked to probably win that tournament by thirty pounds. So, um, which would have been really fun, but still worked out that way. But I still got the win. That's all that matters. That, that's exactly right. Now, were the the bass you were catching were those locked on beds or cruising um well i caught some bed fish just you know just sight fishing normal sight fishing but then i also uh i think the majority of the big ones i weighed were actually uh post-spawn fish um they, they have already moved out of their pockets and uh we're heading on their way out to the main lake they're just set up on points um but yeah i don't know if i i don't know if i caught one big one off the bed i think they're all post-spawn now, of of all the different types of or styles, I should say, of swim baits, meaning hard body, hollow body, and so on, you know, point us in the right direction of knowing under what conditions we should be using a particular style of swim bait. Um, well, yeah, there's lots of swim baits for lots of lots of different fishing conditions. Um, if you're going to fish, you want to fish deeper. Uh, you want a you want a lead lead headed one that's you know that. Uh, the lead weight built into it, so it might be three quarter ounce, could be up to two ounces with a built in jig head, so to speak. Uh, those are good for slow rolling out deeper. Uh, when the fish get up shallower like that, uh, I like the, the neutral bait, so to speak. They're, uh, they got a sliding line through double hook system, uh, like the Jerry Regos. Uh, you know, that's what I used last week. and uh, you know, he's probably got some of the finest baits ever made. And the SKT Swimmer, day and day, it's a, it's a bait that you can throw anywhere in the country and catch them. And that's the one I caught him on last week. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's a line-through bait. Um, that's good for that, oh, six foot of water or less. Um, unless you're going to, you know, you, you can fish it over deep water for you know, 80 foot of water for spotted bass as well. Um, they'll come up and get it. Now, what but, about, what, uh, as a whole, I think I, I prefer the soft baits. I mean, you can still look like a Berkeley hollow belly uh, and catch a lot of smaller fish, but if you want to target, target bigger ones, you know, you want to get into a six to nine inch bait. Well, and and that set me up for my next question because, my, you know, I need to know, I guess, how much of a factor does the size of the swim bait play in having success? Well, the, the size of the bait is more dictated on, on, the, on the fishery itself. Um 
Smith Mountain setup where there's a lot of bluegill and gizzard chad and stuff on there. So there's a lot of fish in there in the five, six, you know, up to seven inch range. Uh, not much over that. But some lakes we get are like Clear Lake, uh, you know, they're, they're eating hits there that are in the seven to 12 inch range. So, you know, seven inch bait small there, but, you know, then we're fishing uh, eights, nines, tens, and elevens. Uh, so it's all based on the forage and the size of the fish. If you got, if your lake doesn't have but a bunch of two and three pounders in it, you don't want to throw a nine inch bait. Uh, you want to throw something those fish can eat. Uh, you go down to, uh, you know, a Gunnersville where there's a bunch of four or five, six pounders. You can fish a seven inch bait. Um, you go down to Falcon, you know, where there's a bunch of eight, nine, 10 pounders. You can fish a 12 inch bait. Uh, so it's relative to the size of the fish and the size of the bait you're eating. And what about as far as what rule of thumb do you lean on uh, for color selection? Color selection, I, I pretty much use, for the most part, I, I really just use a couple of different colored, you know, baits. I got a couple, uh, like a, uh, I got some bluegill patterns, but a shad pattern, uh, and probably the best all-around color is that light hitch. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I can take that color anywhere in the country and catch them on it. So uh, you get a you know a seven inch or a, you know six inch light hitch, seven inch light hitch. Uh, you can't go really can't go wrong with that. And are you mainly when you're picking up a swim bait? Is it always in clear water, or are there are certain instances to where you know you run across some stained or dirtier water that uh, a swim bait would work for us as anglers as well? I haven't fished a whole lot of, you know, dirty water with a swim bait, so to speak. I mean, no situation. So I'm going to go to a spinner bait and, you know, a crank bait, a wide wobble, uh, crank bait, uh, you know, to trigger the reaction bites like that. But, uh, clear water, if you've got two foot of water visibility or better, um, you can't go wrong. And, you know, something that happens to most of us, and a matter of fact, it happened to you during during the most recent tournament as far as sky conditions. You know, how big of a role does that play in a bass's reaction, you know, to a swim bait? A swim bait, it's, it's no different than a spinner bait or a crankbait. It's a reaction bait for the most part. Um, so you're looking for the optimal conditions to fish uh, a swim bait just like you would a spinner bait. So when the wind's blowing... Or you got overcast weather, fish are aggressive and chasing more. Uh, they're biting a jerk bait, they're biting a crankbait, whatever it might be. Those are your, you know, same conditions you want to fish a swim bait. Um, you know, the whole thing about a swim bait though is you're committing to a bigger bait, and you may not get a bite. You might get one bite. You might get six or seven bites, but you're not going to go out there and fill a limit uh, like you are with on a jerk bait or crankbait spinnerbait in those conditions. So, you know, you have to make a commitment to do it. Um, and most people, they just, you know, they're going to tournament time. It's hard for them to do because they might throw it for three hours and never see, never get a bite on it. And they're going to want to pick up a, a spinnerbait and a worm or whatever it is just to get a bite. So, uh, it's, it's, it takes a major commitment to do it at times. Well, I think you bring up an excellent point because some anglers, you know, they just can't bring themselves to throwing a swim bait long enough to gain any type of confidence. And I think you'll agree that, you know, confidence obviously is a, plays a major, major role when you're fishing. But what is your advice to placing us kind of on the fast track and developing a comfort level, you know, with that swim bait? Well, just like anything, you got to go do it. Um, you know, reading about it and uh, watching it and all that is one thing. Going and doing it is another thing. Um you know, unless you spend the time in the water uh, practicing with it, you're not going to be able to do it. So that's my suggestion is 
get off your butt and get on the water and start doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, are are swim baits part of your arsenal year round? Um, not as much during the uh, once we get into the summer bite. Uh, not as much, but uh, pre spawn, spawn, post spawn, um, definitely. Uh, you know, those are uh, definitely factors. Um, you know, for, you know, or a great time of year to be throwing a swim bait. Um, summertime, fall, you can you still catch them. Uh, it depends on the fishery and um, you know the how the fish set up on the lakes. Let's uh, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about the terminal tackle because I know you know you're very dead set on your selection of what you use and how you use it. What is your preferred type of of line from the pound tests? You know, rod length, action, gear ratio on your reel. Walk us through that if you would. Um, well, my my rod is uh, my my Tessera Skeet Reach Tessera Series Swimbait Carolina rig rod. I mean. I, Throw a Carolina rig on, but it's ideal for fishing those, um, you know, four inch to seven inch swim baits. Um, it's it's built perfect for it. Then fluorocarbon, you know, I use Trilene 100 fluorocarbon. Um, 15 and 20 pound test is what I most commonly use. You know, in the clear water situations, I mean, I don't care if you're fishing a plastic worm, a jig, crankbait, doesn't matter what it is. Fluorocarbon helps people catch more fish. Um, you know, especially in lakes that fish get line side and heavily pressured. Uh, if you want to increase your odds catching fish, get some Charlie number 10 fluorocarbon. That's going to make a difference. And then a reel. Um, uh, everybody's got their own opinion of reels, but I like using the same gear ratio for the most part for most everything I do. So I use a 6 4 to 1 uh, gear ratio on the Abu Garcia Revo. But uh, uh, some people like a slower reel. Um, you know, I just I, I prefer to use the same reel and just, you know, I got to slow it down, slow my reel down, retrieve down, then that's all I do. And and talk to us a little bit as far as about the retrieval speeds, you know, of the swim baits. Just take, for instance, you know, your most recent uh, tournament there. Were you reeling that very, very slow, medium, or, you know, describe that if you would. It, uh, I caught them several different ways. In the morning, I could actually catch them, you know, super shallow, waking it, um, you know, fishing it fast. Um, as the day progressed uh, further out, then I would slow it down more. Um it, it's there is no one way to fish swim bait. It's just like a spinner bait. You, you can slow roll them, you can burn them, uh, you can do anything you want to them, and that's what you got to do to just figure out the right bite. So, um, you know, steady retrieve, stop and go is not that much of a big a deal in swim bait fishing, but it's just you can fish them fast, you can wake them, uh, and you can super slow roll them. You know, Skeet, ironically, the, the last time that we had you on here, we spent a lot of time talking about just the, the mental warfare, I think, as you described it, that goes on in your head. And, you know, our entire conversation here talking about swim baits has a lot to do with just the psychology factor of fishing. Um, talk to us a little bit about what is going through kind of your mind. Has that changed any? Is it still a grind even with you being kind of at this position, angler of the year points? Does it get, is it more? Is it less? What's your thoughts there? Oh, it's never it's a never changing process, or it's a it's never ending. You're always struggling and trying to figure out, you know, what's the what's the best decision, what's the right thing to do, what's the right bait selection, what's the right presentation, right location. It's uh, if if anybody ever thinks they know it all in the sport, uh, they ought to just be kicked upside the head because it's one thing <laughs> you will never ever do is have the sport mastered. It's impossible. Um, 
So it's a never-ending learning process, this process that we're out here just trying to adapt and adjust uh, and make the best decisions we possibly can make in the water every time we're out. And are there there certain things that you do that, you know, aid you in that, or is it just kind of a free-for-all new day every time you hit the water? Um, I think every day is in the day in the water. But, I mean, for me, uh, it's, you know, I've got my routine in the morning. I mean, I get up and I exercise for an hour, uh, you know, every day before I leave the hotel room to hit the water. So uh, from, you know, stretching and exercising and yoga or whatever, you know, what day it is. But, uh, you know, that's my physical thing that gets me, uh, you know, gets me ready to go for the day. You even do that on tournament day? Oh, yeah, every day. Wow. Well, certainly we, uh, it's probably no secret that, you know, if you're alert and healthy and feel good physically, it's going to transfer over into your mental decisions as well. Well, all good stuff. A final question before we get out of here actually comes from a listener, and it's uh, Brent in Birmingham, Alabama. And Brent wants to know, what is the best way for small lure manufacturers to get a bait used on the Elite and FLW tours? Well, I, I think that, for you know, first and foremost, it's it's... You know, if it's a viable product, it's good. Um, then it's a matter of getting into the local dealers, a local dealer. And if a dealer has a network, a connection to an angler, try and get it in an angler's hands. Um, yeah. And most of the time, the, you know, these guys out here, uh, we don't have a lot of time to go practice a lot of bait. So we're going to let... You know, some of our homies around town and then, you know, local fisheries kind of get baits dialed in and learn some new baits, new techniques. So uh, you, you've got to start local because if it works locally at, your, at home and your buddies are using it to kick everybody else's butt, then, hey, I want to get my hands on, then I'll try it on tour. So the bottom line is you got to build a good bait and it's got to have a presence in the area uh, typically before we're going to get on it and run with it. Well, and, and that comes back to the networking. You know, I think you described it very well, and, and certainly I think a great idea has a life cycle of its own, and it'll never be lost in, you know, in the archives. So it'll it'll eventually rise to the top. But, Skeet, unfortunately, we are out of time, but thanks so much for spending it with us. And just want to wish you the best of luck in your Angler of the Year race and uh, look forward to seeing how that turns out. Aaron, appreciate that, bud. You have a great day, and then I uh, hope I'm talking again with another, with another victory. Now, you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. I'm Terry Bolton, and stay tuned for more exciting action right here on The Edge. Well, there you go, Aaron. Everything you ever want to know about swim baits, but we're afraid to ask. Uh, I, yeah, I was really glad to hear you guys talk about how versatile swim baits are, and and because uh, I know when when we first started throwing them, I lived down in Texas and we were using them as as a real deep water bait in in the summer and those the post spawn fish like we just talked about. But uh, of course, Skeet's win came uh, last 
win came from the shallows. Absolutely. And, you know, I think versatility was the kind of the coined phrase there uh, because they are. They are extremely versatile. And, you know, Steve, like we alluded to there at um, the beginning of the show, I've been doing a little swim bait fishing of my own. But the only difference is, you know, I've been setting my boat out in 30 feet of water and catching them suspended, you know, in the trees using a weighted bait. And uh, one thing I would like to tack on to what Skeet said is is the pace of the retrieve. I mean, I can't stress that enough, and, and I know he, he covered that pretty well. But lately, I have had to reel just extremely slow and just getting that, you know, that bait to just barely wobble and that, that tail to, to go about. And, um, you know, I, the, the other thing that is really amazing is how many fish will follow the bait and it really makes me realize how many fish are in some of these areas that you know i don't actually catch well do you have uh well i mean do you have a technique when you see these followers you know you've got fish that are maybe not quite as active do do you have a technique that, that you've found that can help you with that um yes and no i mean i i can't say that i've i've mastered it by any means right now if if i was to keep track on on sunday what uh what had taken place you know i would say i was about 50 percent but you know the other thing i i must tell you is when i'm fishing clear water uh throwing these swim baits that's where your polarized sunglasses really come into play because mm-hmm. you've got to be able to to see that bait now you know, at some times, I'm actually running this bait a little bit deeper than what I can see. Um, but those that I could actually see following it, I would go back to what Skeet was saying with that start and stop or just twitch it. You know, just mm-hmm. give it a little erratic twitch and change that. And then, especially on the small mouse, those things are so aggressive because they were coming up in, you know, wolf packs. I mean, there would be two or three or four that would be mm-hmm. following it. And all of a sudden, you would twitch it or just kill the bait and let it sink and then give it a twitch, look like a dying bait fish, you know, that was sinking down. They would just latch onto it. So that's what I found works well. Now, I had a couple of, of the largemouth in that that would literally, I would try that with. But no takers. They would follow it all the way to the boat and just sit there and look at it and then slowly just swim off. And you're talking about something hard to stomach is, you know, when you see a five-pound bass just all of a sudden just turn and go <laughs> back down. Mm-mm-mm. And to think, I was sitting in my office working on Bass Edge stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, man, I, I enjoyed hearing Skeet. I mean, he's just fantastic every time he visits us. And I really enjoyed hearing him answer Brent's question. And I have another question that it's something I've been asked a couple of times lately by some younger anglers, and it's, it's something I get asked a lot of times uh, by the young, young folks, and it's advice about buying that first boat. And uh, I know you've purchased a few boats in your day, so uh, help us out, Aaron. Talk to us about shopping for your first boat. Well, you know, that a first boat, or your next boat regardless it's it's a big investment and it's something that there's a lot of emotion that's attached to it and i think it's easy as anglers you know we're we're in a fairly egotistical sport uh and i'm saying this i'm calling the kettle but you know black here um because i it applies to me as well but first off i think it's it's definitely a buyer's market that will not last forever and you know as i know legend has received numerous orders in the last month but if your budget does not allow for a new one there are tremendous opportunities to pick up a quality used rig and i would like for anglers to start off by considering their budget as the first and foremost consideration and i think once you determine that 
then stick to it. Um, give thought to the waters that you'll be fishing most often, and then match the style and the size of the rig with the waters that you're going to be fishing. And I think the, the final considerations would be, you know, look for rigs that are well-maintained, and I can't stress enough, make sure that they are properly powered with the drive motor, uh, the trolling motor, batteries. And also, if, if you're able to find one that has remaining warranty, um, you know, that's even better. You know, take it to a dealer. These things are so technologically advanced now that to where you can have them, you know, hook up to a computer and have a dealer probably for 50 or 100 bucks, you know, run a diagnostic uh, test on it and see, you know, what the maintenance has been on that motor, how many hours, those type of things, and really feel comfortable about writing that check and making that next purchase. Well, and I will throw in some of uh, uh, maybe some advice from some of the mistakes I made in buying those first boats. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're a kid, you don't have much money. You buy some pretty, a pretty low-end boat. But, man, get yourself, pay attention to the trailer. Get yourself a yeah. good trailer with the right size tires. And do not hit the road without a spare tire. I, I won't even share with you. <laughs> you sound like you're I talking got stolen from... off the side of the road because I had to run in and try to find a tire. So, uh, so pay a lot of attention to to the the trailer and the tires and the tire sizes and the uh, uh, and, and, and get yourself a spare tire. It'll be the best money you ever buy, you ever spend. But. Uh, it is uh, it is that time of year. A lot of guys are buying boats, but uh, of course, we're always looking for the best way to buy tackle. Also, and our next guest has a lot of good advice on that. So, let's slip away briefly and come back for a visit with Brian Wright. When people ask me why I have so much tackle, I don't bother trying to explain. They never get it. It's the kind of thing that's all about being there. It's the feeling that I'm alive right now when I hook the next bass. Lose touch with that, and I lose part of myself. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but all of us at Bass Edge want you to know that it's okay. The go-to tackle storage system will never ask for an explanation. Who needs one when I have fast, easy access to my lures? It keeps my baits organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in just minutes under any deck lid, making the most of the storage space of my boat. One look at the GoTo Tackle System, and you know it has no time for silly questions. Load me up, it says. Let's get out there and make some memories. Get organized with the Bass Edge GoTo Tackle System by logging on to BassEdge.com. Welcome back. In keeping our commitment of delivering new and creative resources for bass anglers, our next guest is Brian Wright, the proprietor of FishingTackleForum.com, where anglers can find articles, tackle reviews, forums, and products for sale. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. You know, as I was uh, preparing kind of for our discussion and interview, uh, I couldn't help but remembering, and believe it or not, how we met. And, you know, you had stopped by the O'Reilly booth there at the Kansas City NASCAR race and shared kind of your vision with me and the purpose of FishingTackleForum.com. And, you know, quite honestly, it's hard to believe how time flies. Time does fly, and it's interesting how we didn't meet because we're at a NASCAR race, and I'm the I'm the guy that goes after the bass boats that I see yeah. instead of the NASCARs. Yeah, well, so, you know, it's not too hard to, when you've got a, a a bass boat sitting amongst all the NASCAR fans. That does kind of draw your eye. 
Exactly. But, hey, and as we were discussing, uh, Fishing Tackle Forum, our whole goal is to work with the grassroots anglers and, and guys making baits in their garage that are trying to, you know, fish and compete in tournaments. And we want to support that segment in that marketplace. We want to help that guy that's got a great bait that he uses that manufactures it but doesn't have a huge outlet. And we want want to be able to provide a forum and a uh, a way to just get their product out through the Internet. And that's our whole premise is the grassroots fishing angler and, and manufacturer. Well, now, you know, are you more geographically focused or are you just literally kind of uh, nationally? Well, it's the Internet. So it's it's basically we'll work with anybody all over the country in tackle shops and bait shops uh, that are, you know, mom-pop type shops that have a bait that you really can't find at Bass Pro or Cabela's, but you can find it on our site um, or help that manufacturer get to that level. Uh, we want to be that resource for them, and since it is the medium is the internet, uh, we really don't have a, an area. I mean, we're based in Kansas City and Overland Park, Kansas, but it's the internet, and, and it's great, and it's a great medium, and we're just building a site uh, for the grassroots anglers and manufacturers. Well, I think you're, you're definitely on to something because one of the, the things that I find that investigating information, you know, whether it be regionally based or nationally based, you know, helps me not only when I go to a particular area, but also able to apply kind of those subtle techniques, you know, in other parts of the country as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and I do and I do fish on the tournament scene, and, and it's great. You know, I always make a point to stop in whatever town I'm in to, to look at the small bait shops because they always have unique baits that you don't find, all the, you know, in the big shops. And those are the people I want to cater to and bring their product to market. And um, it's a great way for all of us to, to build the economy by all, by all of us making money as well because we can help promote their product. That increases sales. They make money. We all make money. And we're promoting the fishing industry. Absolutely. You know, the ironically, the uh, you just heard on the interview uh, before yours here with Skeet Reese, you know, his yeah. his question that, that he answered, um, you know, from Brent there in Birmingham, Alabama, um, it sounds to me like, you know, Skeet more or less just said exactly what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, and I heard part of that, and Skeet is absolutely right. I mean, that's how you get products to market, and that's how you get those unique Baits to you know, and then you know, and someone like Skeet Reese is surfing the web and sees fishing tackle forum and sees a product or that he hasn't seen before, he may want to use it in the tournaments or any of those guys that fish the elite series, and it's a way that could give them a competitive edge, you know, in those tournaments because it's extremely competitive as we all know. Absolutely, and you know, the, we've we've spoke a lot about just from the manufacturing side, but the reality of it is, you're there for the end user or the angler themselves, those that are trying to find kind of those unique baits that aren't in the mainstream. Yeah, and that's another part of our our, our mission is to promote the anglers out there that are just getting into the tournament scene, give them a forum and a way to promote their sponsors and promote themselves um, to where we get you know unique content, unique content and. A way to uh, one of the things that um, is good news for Fishing Tackle Forum is Vicious Fishing Lines has endorsed us as you know, you know, we endorse their lines and their products, and uh, just like we're going to endorse your products and and have those for sale on our website. 
Well, I think it's all good stuff, Brian. And, you know, unfortunately, we are out of time. But, you know, once again, I just want to thank you for your efforts kind of uh, in helping, you know, us get more information. Because as we know, as anglers, we're, we're kind of junkies when it comes to information. And uh, I, I, just, I just want to encourage everyone, if you haven't had the chance, get on the Internet and check out FishingTackleForum.com. Brian, once again, thanks so much and look forward to talking with you again. Absolutely, Aaron. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. We have officially reached the end of our journey today, but before we head out, just a few reminders. Don't forget to send in your questions to be answered on the next installment of Bass Edge. Also, be sure to check out our special pricing on the GoTo Tackle Systems where you can receive $5 off each unit when ordering two or more. And for all of the Facebook and Twitter users out there, be sure to add us to your friend list. Thanks for listening, and for Steve Brigman and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. Bass Edge has been brought to you in part by MegaWare Keelguard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Super Start Batteries, Mother's Polishes, Waxes and Cleaners, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.